In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, glory be to Jesus Christ. We're continuing our study of the life of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And today we're going to talk about the feast of the entrance of the Virgin Mary into the temple, which is a feast which is celebrated on November 21st. The feast of the entrance of the Virgin in the temple is not among the most ancient festivals of the church. But we find some hymnography referring to this feast going back to the 7th century. It may have been earlier than that. We find it mentioned in the canons of St. Andrew of Crete and St. Tarasios the Patriarch, who introduced it at Constantinople a century later than St. Andrew. The festival blossomed forth from the tradition of the church, which made use of the apocryphal source, the Proto-Evangelium of James, in order to emphasize the fulfillment of the economy of the Creator and the self-consecration of the chosen virgin to a life in the service of God. The church breaks the silence of the canonical Gospels, that we may behold the incomprehensible ways of providence which prepare Mary, the receptacle of the Word and the Mother predetermined for the ages. She who was preached by the prophets is now introduced into the Holy of Holies like a hidden treasure of the glory of God. Now here's what happened. When she reached the age of two, Joachim said to Anna, Let us take her up to the temple of the Lord, that we may pay the vow that we have vowed, lest the Lord depart from us, or perchance the Lord send us someone to warn us that we have been too long in paying our vow, because our offering hath not yet been received. In other words, Joachim is reminding Anna, We made a promise that we were going to dedicate this child And now she's two years old, and let's go ahead and take her to the temple. Lest we we forget about our promise, or, or someone comes to us and reminds us and tells us we've not fulfilled it. He's kind of chomping at the bit, so to speak. But listen what happens. This is very interesting. Anna said, let us wait for her third year so that our daughter might not be at a loss to know her father. She's appealing to Joachim. In other words, she could have have been taken a different tack, but she took a very strategic approach. She appealed to the love and affection of Joachim for his little daughter. We want, I, want him, I want her to know you for at least one more year, she said. Very beautiful. Let us wait for her third year so that our daughter might not be at a loss to know her father and also that she might not look for us. In other words, she's concerned that Mary will miss them. Maybe in the temple and every day looking out, where are my parents? Where are my parents? So we have this very motherly concern of Anna 
which she kind of shelters by her approach to wanting uh, Mary to know her father for another year. Therefore, Joachim conceded and said, so let us wait. Now see the beauty of this harmony of husband and wife. Joachim is the head. The man is the head of the family. So the decisions in the family, in the Christian family, are made by the husband. That is clear from Holy Scripture and the entire tradition of the church. However, his most valuable asset and source of wisdom is going to be his wife. And any husband who does not listen to his wife is doomed for failure. Both in terms of making mistakes concerning his family and in concerning his relationship with his wife. So Joachim puts forward his idea to wean Mary at two years old, take her to the temple. He brings this idea to his most faithful assistant, his companion, his helper, Anna. And she exercises great humility and prudence in how she responds. She suggests that Mary get to know her father one more year. And that she, she might be traumatized by being weaned too early. And might be looking for her parents. So she appeals to the head. She did not usurp the head. And the wife should never do that. Should never usurp the authority of the head of the household. The husband. But she appealed to the head. And then the head weighed the argument and said, okay, let us wait. Now this reminds me of a very, I'm sure you've heard this joke, and I'll, I'll say it anyway, that they say that the, the, Greek, the Greek women say that the husband is the head, but the wife is the neck, and the neck turns the head. <clears throat> and that's a, it's kind of a funny way to put it, but there's a lot of wisdom to that. Husbands should listen to their wives. And in my experience, my wife is more often right than I am. But still, I am the one who decides. I'm the one who makes the decision. Another, another joke that uh, I heard a long time ago was someone asked a very famous man how it was <clears throat> that he and his wife had gotten along so good for so many years. And the man said, well, when we got married, we, made a we decided that I would make all of the major decisions and she would make all the minor decisions. And that's how they got along so good. Then he added on a little after the wire. He said, but so far we haven't had to make any major decisions. But anyway, this, this, this uh, little scene with Joachim and Anna deciding what to do with Mary is, is a beautiful picture of Christian 
marriage and how husbands and wives should work together to make decisions. You know, and this also uh, makes me want to talk about this issue of weaning a child. You know, in America, there was a period where children weren't even nurse, nurse, or bottle fed or uh, breastfed at all. There was this trend, you know, science, scientific way, the formula, get the formula, your baby's going to be healthier. And sadly, so many children were deprived of the blessings of breastfeeding, and women deprived of the blessings of breastfeeding to them. Well, now, science caught up with, with our culture, and now even the WIC people at the office, the women, infant, and children are saying, yes, you young women need to be breastfeeding your children. There's so many benefits, uh, spiritually, emotionally, nutritionally, to the baby. And I was reading, I was listening to a talk from uh, Father Cosmos about child-rearing, and he said that in the Greek villages, often the children were nursed up to the ages of five or six. And that the longer that the child is nursed, the healthier they will be, the stronger they, stronger they will be, the more well-adjusted they will be, the more confident they will be. So I, I uh, encourage uh, mothers to nurse your children as long as you can, as long as they'll, they'll let you, and uh, give them that blessing. And that's, that's one of the reasons that Anna insisted on third year. One of the elders was uh, counseling a woman who, who uh, asked me about this because she was very sickly and weak and had a hard time nursing, and she asked for a blessing to go ahead and wean her, her like one-year-old child. And the, and the, and the elder said that, that the baby should be nursed until the age of six. And then the woman went on and on about her health problems and issues and strength and all. And, and he said, well, at least um, nurse, them, nurse the child for th- three years. And then the woman was able to talk him down finally to two years. But no, the elder, no matter how bad her health problem was, he would not give her a blessing to wean the child before two years old. And that's kind of like a, a magic number of those first two years are so, so very important. And so we see this as an element in this story of Joachim and Anna keeping Mary till her third year. Now, much of the, both the poetic imagery and iconography of this feast, which are used liturgically, are derived from the following passage of the Proto-Evangelium. Quote, When the child reached her third birthday, Joachim said, Let us invite the daughters of the Hebrews that are virgins. Let each maiden take a lamp and stand with the lamps burning, that the child might not turn back, and then her mind would be set against the temple of the Lord. When all hope was gone, Joachim and Anna gave birth to the undefiled... This is quoting a hymn. When all hope was gone, Joachim and Anna gave birth to the undefiled virgin, and in piety they promised to offer her to God. Today, that is the the feast of the entrance of the virgin into the temple, today they fulfill their promise, giving their child as a sacrifice in the house of God. 
Before thou wast conceived, O pure virgin, thou wast consecrated to God, and now after thy birth thou art offered as a gift to him in fulfillment of thy parents' promise. As far as I know, this is the only um, account of someone in the biblical times where a, a female child was dedicated to the temple this way. We know that Samuel was dedicated to the temple by his mother Hannah in a similar way, brought to Eli the priest, I think at the age of three also, maybe not, I'm not sure exactly what age, but he was brought to the temple and grew up in the temple. But, and there were probably other examples, but Mary is the only woman that we know of who was dedicated in this way. St. Gregory Palamas aptly comments that, quote, in a strange manner, the mother of God changed her dwelling from the house of her father to the house of God while still an infant. So here's a little bit more about the entry. Thus her parents departed their homes and went up to the temple with an escort of young maidens. Upon arriving, they then put off Mary's traveling clothes and arrayed her with garments that were neater and cleaner, indeed clothes befitting a queen. Now there were 15 steps at the temple that led from the court of the women to that of the men. The significance of the number 15 to the Jews was that it corresponds to the 15 Psalms of degrees. In the book of Psalms, or Psalms 119 through 133 are called the Psalms of degrees. They're like ascension Psalms. And this corresponds to the 15 steps. On one of these steps, they placed the little maiden Mary. Then the whole company ascended into the temple of the Lord, the maidens bearing lamps and singing psalms. And Mary, without anyone leading her or lifting her up, ascended the steps one after the other. And we have this beautiful hymn. The virgin's father, Joachim, says was, quote, bright with joy and kept feast with Anna. Now Anna, truly blessed by God's grace, led with gladness into the temple of the Lord, the pure and ever virgin who is full of grace. And Anna called the young maidens to go before her lamps, her, before her, lamps in hand. Go, child, she said, to him who gave thee unto me. Be unto him an offering and a sweet-smelling incense. Go into the place that none may enter. Learn its mysteries and prepare thyself to become the pleasing and beautiful dwelling place of Jesus, who grants the world great mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, glory be to Jesus Christ.